It's time to play the music, and it's time to light the lights. It's time to make the Muppets on Legend Lore tonight. <laughs> waka waka, welcome to Legend Lore with Jess and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm Jess. I'm a game designer and frequent contributor to the Pathfinder and Starfinder RPGs. And I'm Lauren, your absolutely exhausted grad student. Before we get started, I'm just going to remind everybody, like always, that legend lore is headcanons only. Today, we're going to reimagine some pop culture characters as Pathfinder 2 heroes who could exist in Golaria. Every character has an infinity of permutations when they're reimagined and reinterpreted across genres and media, though. So the builds that we'll be presenting today are merely one among infinite options. Now, Jess, the Muppets are kind of a throwback for me, if I'm being real. Like, they've not been in the zeitgeist for a bit, right? There have been some, uh, some recent Muppet films. Okay. I remember growing up, I remember seeing a lot of the different Muppets movies, but mm -hmm. I was never really, like, a Muppets show person. Okay. Yeah, I saw some Muppets show, and I saw the films, but I'm also just... I don't know. I enjoy the Muppets as just, like, a cultural phenomenon. And then, in addition to the, like, the, the core Muppet characters who you would refer to as THE Muppets, there's also all of the other puppeteering that the Jim Henson Company does for other movies and TV shows, like Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, right? I do remember growing up, I knew how to spot a Jim Henson uh, piece of practical effect. Yeah. And I always loved it. I always appreciate it. That's a Jim Henson right there. You know, and, and they had the logo that would pop up when mm -hmm. you're in the movie theater. I, I, I did like that a lot. Yeah. I, think, I think my favorite, though. My favorite was the Muppets Christmas Carol. I really like that one. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's like really basic, you know. That might be the best known of them, but it just it had a special place in my heart. I think it's also one of the best though. Like it is kind of a like an expected answer, but it's an expected answer for a reason because Muppets Christmas Carol and Muppets Treasure Island are absolutely two of the best known of all of the Muppet films, right? See, that's the other one I vaguely remember. Mm -hmm. it, I remember it much less than Mus Muppets Christmas Carol, but I do have a picture in my head of the Muppets being wacky on a pirate ship. Yeah. Lauren, if you were to try to, like, date the Muppets, uh, like, chronologically, not, like, you're romantically propositioning yeah, them. Yeah, that, that was a way to, that was definitely a way to introduce this, this question. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm, no, when do you mm, think maybe that the Muppets, like, when do you think that Kermit the Frog made his first appearance? When do you think the Muppets were first created? Okay, so I, what I do is, anytime I get a question like this where I'm predicting uh, or, or or trying to, to divine the chronological mm. position a thing has, I always go more conservative than my conservative guess. So my conservative guess is the 80s, mm -hmm. or, or, or let's see, my non-conservative guess is the 80s. So my mm -hmm. conservative guess is the 70s. Ergo, I'm going to say the late 60s. Okay, okay. You are pretty close. Uh, Jim Henson created his first Muppets in the 50s. And okay, I wasn't that bad then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the first Muppet television show that he had was called Sam and Friends, which did feature Kermit, though he had not yet been solidified as a frog. He was kind of just a creature. And so Kermit was one of this like first group of Muppets that had been created for the Sam and Friends show. Was and, he at least green? Well, Sam and Friends was in black and white. Oh, but yeah. I don't oh. expect that Kermit's uh, felt color changed. I expect that probably he started green. Good. But yeah, uh, Sam and Friends was performed by Henson and by one of his classmates and his future wife, uh, Jane Nabell. And Sam and Friends was actually very popular. And it even won an Emmy Award in 1958 for Best Local Entertainment Program. I haven't even heard of Sam and Friends. Like, who is the eponymous Sam? Sam was one of the Muppets. And he was a human-appearing Muppet from the show. And, and so Sam was the main character. And the other uh, Muppet characters of the production were, like, Sam's hallucinations. 
And so this first appearance of Kermit was as like a a figment of Sam's imagination on Sam and Friends. Is it canon that all of the Muppets IP, the Muppet show, the Muppet babies, that all of this is just a dream from the original, the one true Muppet Sam? I don't think so, no. Because like uh, Muppets became, like Muppets got introduced to the Muppet canon gradually and some of them like some Muppet productions share Muppets in common, but their their canonical links can sometimes be a little bit loose. Like Kermit was first introduced in Sam and Friends, uh, but then um, Jim Henson also in the 50s went on The Tonight Show to perform as two of the Muppets, Kermit and Yorick. And then he had other like talk show appearances where uh, Jim Henson and Kermit the Frog would be guests on the talk show. And so yeah, like the, yeah, the talk yeah. show host would interview both Jim and Kermit as though they had two guests. I feel like I've seen some of those segments mm-hmm. on YouTube. I yeah. just want to know what happened to Sam. In the Muppets canon, where is Sam? Did I don't he... know the answer to that question. Did he die? I don't know the answer Was to that he... question. They might have, somebody might have taken him out because, you know, after Sam and Friends, that's when the next show, was the next show The Muppet Show? No, not quite. Um, there oh. were a lot of, um, like, appearances on talk shows. There were a lot of commercials that Jim did with Muppets, including, like, some very famous coffee commercials that featured some Muppet characters that were created for this coffee brand. Uh, and then... There was also Sesame Street. And that was, is that what I'm thinking of with the late 60s? Sesame Street began airing in 1969. Oh, I got something. (laughs) Here's a question, though. Do you think that Sesame Street or The Muppet Show came first? Like, ignoring the the dates that you might already know about these two things. Like, when you imagine... The Muppet Show and Sesame Street. Which one do you imagine being older? So, I I don't have... I'm going to give this my educated guess, but okay. when I say educated, I'm being extremely loose with the word. This is this is my... This is my on the left side of Dunning-Kruger guess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I feel like Sesame Street is probably older mm-hmm. because I think I've seen... I, I, I definitely consider The Muppet Show like big in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I suspect it got its start in the 70s. Yeah, that now, is correct. Sesame Street, though, I feel like was big in the 70s. Right. So it probably got its start first, I believe. Yeah. And Jim Henson being involved with Sesame Street. Was I right? Yeah, you were right. Was I right? You were <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Sesame Street having Muppet characters and Jim Henson's involvement in Sesame Street made it more difficult to get uh, like TV producers and channels to agree to have the Muppets show as like a show with puppets that is geared toward an adult audience. I see. Because it Mm -hmm. now had that established reputation as Muppets are for kids. Kids like them. Yeah. So, so Jim Henson had started doing shows like Sam and friends for adult audiences uh, and then producing other pieces of media, like talk show interviews or what have you, like various movies and such that were created using the different characters that were being created for like the, the larger Muppet canon. But then Sesame Street happens and Sesame Street gets so much more popular than everything else that when Jim Henson tried to continue creating uh, more adult-oriented content with the Muppet characters that wasn't geared toward children, he started getting pushback. Well, when did when did like Jim Henson Studios as, as a as a creator of Hollywood props, when did that happen? Hmm. I'm wondering, like, if that helped launch, or if that helped convince studio executives that you know he could make the Muppet Show work for adults. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that the the Jim Henson Company obviously created like the different Muppet things that were being created. Created the Muppet Show, and Jim Henson did a lot of. Um, he even did a little bit with Star Wars, didn't he? That that remember sounds that, remember, that's, that sounds to me like it's probably true. You remember that little zany guy who sat with Jabba the Hutt? I mm-hmm. feel like that was a Jim Henson. Yeah. I feel like that was a Jim Henson thing. Yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, as far as like moving outside of Muppet productions and just kind of being in other stuff like vaguely, I I don't exactly know. Like, I wonder if the the first things that the Jim Henson like the oh the Creature Shop. There we go. There we go. The Creature Shop. The yeah, that's not right. Okay, so uh, I guess Sesame Street was the first thing that was associated with the Creature Shop. And then after that, Dark Crystal in like 1982. Mm. Okay. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, so next thing is like, yeah, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Well, so, so when, when was the Muppet Show? When did that start? Muppet Show started in 1976. Okay. I mean, Jim was just doing, he had his hands in all kinds of different yeah. pies. You know, here's another, here's another question for you as far as like the timeline of all of this is concerned. When okay, do you think yeah. Saturday Night Live came on air? Oh, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't, all right, listeners, you can, you can, you know, execute me if you wish. I don't like Saturday Night Live. Fair enough. I think it probably used to be funny, but it's just a, it's a tired, mm -hmm. just corporate mockery. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm mm -hmm. going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that the late 80s was Saturday Night Live. And then it pop got popular in the '90s, and then just continued to rot and remain mm -hmm. on life support for the next two decades. Okay, and if suppo like suppose that Saturday Night Live at some point had a Muppet segment, whereabouts do you think that happened? Like, do you think Saturday Night oh. Live like had already been on the air for a little while, and then they tried out a Muppet segment, or like where in the timeline of Saturday Night Live, ignoring like the particular year? Just given the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. timeline of Saturday Night Live, uh, at about what point do you think they tried out a Muppet segment? Well, well, th this changes, you know, the uh, the intuitive math in my mm -hmm. head. I'm gonna I'm gonna push Saturday Night Live back to maybe early '80s, and then I'll put the Muppets featuring on Saturday Night Live a little bit after that. Not super, not a super long time. It's been out, you know, but you know. Maybe like a few years okay, after they came okay. out. Would you believe that, and I, I say would you Is, believe, but I'm about to tell you the Stone Cold fact, the reality, oh, that oh. Muppets were on Saturday Night Live before the Muppet Show began. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I'm ready to believe that. I'm and ready so to believe And so the Muppet that. Show went on air in 1976. Saturday Night because Live. Because Jim Henson had already made them like kind of a cultural thing from like commercials and the, right, these other shows. Right. So these characters already existed on like late night television doing interviews with like on, on like The Tonight Show. But also there was the 1969 success of Sesame Street. And so Jim yeah. Henson was someone with some like some, some networking cachet, right? Jim Henson yeah, was someone yeah. who maybe you wanted to work with when you are starting your new show Saturday Night Live and maybe a part of how you are selling this to networks is, oh, and don't worry, there will be a Muppet segment in this uh, 1975, the first year that Saturday Night Live ever aired. 1975, man, I, I'm telling you, I need to stick to my guns of being more conservative than my real guests and then more conservative than that. That's how I get into the, into good territories. Yeah, so for the first year that Saturday Night Live was on the air, it had a consistent Muppet segment every episode. Okay, okay, that's neat. So like, this was like a huge part of the zeitgeist, you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that um, the Muppet show in 76 is probably the main thing that brought the Muppets like major mainstream success though. Hmm. Like Sam and Friends, aired on like local television it wasn't like a nationwide thing and so because it was only on local television it was kind of niche it was mm -hmm. wildly popular with the audiences who were able to watch it it had uh, an enormous fan base that every time the network would like cancel it or move its time slot they would have to uncancel it or move it back because they would get so many listeners like writing in to complain and saying like bring sam and friends back which is <laughs> why it won an emmy but it wasn't a national show in the same way that like Sesame Street would become or that the yeah. Muppet Show would become. Yeah. Well, even though I don't have strong memories of the Muppets, the memories that I do have are still really fond. Mm -hmm. So when we when we were putting together the theme that we wanted to use for the next Legend Lore builds, mm -hmm. and you know we had these suggestions for Muppets, and you were like, "Let's do the Muppets." I was like. 
you know, that's actually kind of cute. I'm actually kind of excited to start exploring, you know, the Muppets again. So, mm -hmm. so this was a really fun, this was really a fun episode to prep for. Yeah, I have one last uh, Muppet trivia question that I'm going to ask you. Do I, you I like think, these, these trivia questions. Yeah. Do you think that the, like, do you think that there are separate Muppet canons where like the Sesame Street Muppets and the Muppet Show Muppets exist like completely separately in their own universes? Or do you think okay. there are like Muppet crossovers? Well, so like there are separate Muppet universes in, uh, let me, let me see if I'm understanding this right. So option A is that there are separate Muppet universes. One is where they do Treasure Island. One is where they do the Christmas Carol. One is where they do the Muppet show. Oh, and no, no. option I mean B, like, I mean then, like Sesame Street. Do you think that they keep oh. the Sesame Street Muppets separate from the Muppet show Muppets? because Sesame Street is for children and Muppet Show is for adults. Like, do you think that there is Muppet media where like Big Bird and Kermit the Frog hang out? I would believe that they are part of one canon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kermit the Frog has been on Sesame Street. And that is why I thought so. Mm -hmm. Not because I knew that, but because I assumed that. But there was like controversy because Kermit the Frog had these late night talk show interviews that he would do or he would be in commercials but then he would be on sesame street and there were like complaints of people saying like kermit the frog is not appropriate for children he shouldn't be on sesame street i mean look sesame street had all kinds of adults on there mm -hmm. that were later determined and not be appropriate for children yeah it's <laughs> but yeah Kurt, kermit the frog was one of those like this is an adult figure this maybe isn't appropriate for a television show for children uh figures I mean I mean, even as an adult figure, though, like mm -hmm. we're using the word adult loosely. Like yes. this is like the kind of adult that like you would call something in like the 50s. <laughs> it's like really tame. Right. right. It's, like, not, it's not like Kermit the Frog green. is like a, a, a pornography star. Uh, yeah. You know, Kermit the Frog is just like there. there is a like a movie that is made for children. And then there is a movie that is not made for like a child audience. And when you're talking about puppets, or a lot of times animation as well. Uh, the, the audience that you are making something for, like it doesn't have to be crass in order to be something that isn't necessarily made with a mm -hmm. child audience in mind. Exactly. exactly. And so the Muppet show, even though they are puppets, is not something that was ever necessarily intended for an audience of children, unlike Sesame Street, which was created to be educational content for children. Yeah, and Kermit's not going to go on Sesame Street and like start, you know, like doing lines off of right. off of Os Oscar's trash can, you know. <laughs> right. No, the 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 controversy about Kermit was that the persona that uh Jim would put on for Kermit during interviews would often involve like Jim Henson being kind of like mild-mannered and meek and then Kermit would be a foil to this by being like rude to the host or rude to Jim Henson. Oh, Wait, wait, well, hold, well, hold on, hold on now, Jess. Record scratch. Was Jim Henson like the voice of Kermit? Yes. I had no idea. I just assumed there's like somebody else, and this is the person we ascribe to Kermit. That's kind of cool to know that. No, that's Jim Henson. Oh yeah, no. Um, the Muppets does not have like a lot of performers. They're did eventually get to be like a group of Muppet performers, but like at the time of Sam and Friends, it was just uh, Jim and Jane. And then yeah, yeah. as they continued along, there would be like, maybe they picked up like two more performers as they continued to make content. And then by the time they got to the Muppets show, uh, there are a number of Muppet show Muppets that are all voiced by Jim. Interesting, interesting. Uh, but I say voiced, but like also puppeted, right? Like Swedish Chef also originally yeah. was Jim Henson. But the gag with Swedish Chef is that Jim would puppet the like face and do the dialogue and someone else would do both hands. And so both <laughs> hands would act separately from the the face and the, and the speech. And so a part of the gag was the unpredictability of like the hands reacting to the speech and the speech reacting to the hands. I tell you, you know, we just don't make content like we used to. That's so creative and real, you know. We don't do things like that. We don't do real anymore. 
But we do have some real Pathfinder 2nd Edition builds for the Muppets. And, I mean, I'm... I, this is such a unique... This It's such an interesting... Ugh, I can't... I don't even know how to say it. But we do have some Pathfinder 2nd Edition builds for the Muppets. And, not gonna lie, this was kind of an interesting challenge. Because how do you build, like, a sock puppet into an adventuring hero? You know, but I think we came up with something pretty good and I'm really excited to see. I'm, I'm really excited, firstly, to see how you did it, yeah. because clearly you're much more knowledgeable about the Muppets than I am. But I think I, get, I think I did well. I think I did well enough. I'm excited to see if I can get your approval. But yeah. first, I do want to remind listeners that for Legend Lore Builds episodes, we have some parameters that we try to fit into. We're going to aim for level 10 builds. Uh, some characters may be higher or lower than that as appropriate, but that's kind of just a baseline so that we have the tools we need to give them flavorful things that kind of flesh them out a bit. Mm -hmm. Ancestry or class features, we, we might reflavor those as well as, as needed. For this episode, it's not going to be as needed because these are not humans, <laughs> right? But in you know a lot of movies, a lot of pop culture, all your characters are humans. So. But for this one, that's not as important. And lastly, some, but not all of these builds may use free ar archetype if we feel like it needs it. Mm -hmm. For this episode, I actually didn't feel like either of mine needed free archetype. And the last disclaimer, which is not in our show notes, because I'm just now coming up with it. Listeners, last time we presented you six X-Men, and uh, me and Jess ended up being being very long-winded on that. Yeah, yeah, that did <laughs> so happen. We, so, so we have cut... Our builds, uh, we now are only presenting two each. And maybe if there is, if there's time, we might do some honorable mentions. Now, Jess. Yeah. I'm making you go first. Oh, you're making me go first. Okay. okay. You are our Muppet Queen. You are our Miss Piggy. <laughs> yes. That... So the, the first Muppet that I will be presenting was requested by our beloved patron, Dom. And it is Miss Piggy. Oh, it is Miss Piggy. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't like the spoilers, so I don't watch the show notes when we do this. Yeah. I yeah. like being surprised. Yeah. So Miss Piggy was a Muppet that was created for the Muppet Show. She hadn't appeared prior to that. And one of the things that you might not realize about Miss Piggy, Lauren, is uh, well, first of all, what what do you actually know about Miss Piggy? I remember specifically her defining characteristic mm -hmm. was that she's bossy and hot-headed. Mm -hmm. Those are both true yeah. about Miss Piggy, yeah. So I, I, she's either Kermit's girlfriend or just romantic interest in a more nondescript way. They have like an on again, off again thing because Miss Piggy uh, yeah, is kind yeah. of like too mercurial to be completely tied down to Kermit. I think at oh, the well, moment they are broken up. I think they last broke up in 2015. Okay. So I made Miss Piggy as a poppet because in the Muppet canon, in one of the newer Muppet films that was created, uh, there is evidence for Muppets and humans existing in the same world as like separate species of people hmm. and so i did make her as a poppet because she's a muppet uh, her heritage i gave her stuffed poppet as you do mm -hmm. so she takes no falling damage <laughs> regardless of the distance that she falls i feel like it was a gag amongst muppet ip that mm -hmm. like one would get thrown or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. i feel like that might probably happened commonly and uh, Miss Piggy's ancestry feat is a harmless doll. So she can uh, impersonate an inanimate toy or mindless puppet to, to hide. But I also imagine that Miss Piggy also just kind of looks like, you know, she's a harmless little Muppet. What's she going to do? Lauren, though, what class do you think Miss Piggy is? Barbarian. I did not make Miss Piggy a barbarian. That was absolutely an option. I chose to make Miss Piggy... You considered it? I considered it. But I chose to make okay. Miss Piggy a monk because Miss Piggy oh, is a martial yeah, artist who practices karate. Yeah, that's good too. I didn't even think about monk. Mm -hmm. 
So Miss Piggy is a strength-based monk. She has key strikes, she has stunning fist, and then starting at level two, she also has the celebrity dedication. Oh my goodness. Because she is a, like, diva celebrity, like, performer. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. At level four, Miss Piggy takes a flying kick from Monk and the you're oh an embarrassment goodness. reaction from, oh my from the celebrity. At level five, her poppet ancestry feat is histrionic injury. Once per hour, um, when she's damaged by a creature that she sees with a melee strike, she can respond with a startled look, dramatic pratfall, or theatrical arm flailing she that, can, like, yeah, that has a chance of- She can be so of, overly dramatic mm, that, like, it messes it, up the Yeah, the it has the chance of stupefying uh, the person who's attacking her. Uh, and then at level six for Monk, she has whirling throw, because she often <laughs> would, like- uh, karate chop Kermit and he would go like flying across the screen. I can picture that. Yeah. I can really picture that. And then from Celebrity, she has the feeling your oats action. <laughs> so she can just like feel her diva fantasy and roll deception instead of a will save. That's that's great. <laughs> I, I can really see it. At level eight, she has uh, the bunk stance, iron blood stance. What? Iron? Which gives her resistance. Uh, you can make iron sweep unarmed attacks that deal 1d8 bludgeoning damage, and they have the parry and sweep traits. And then okay. you gain resistance. And then from, uh, from Celebrity, she has Statement Strut. So for one action, she strides up to her speed, and all enemies within 30 feet of her movement are enraptured by her performance. All of this is really easy to imagine yeah. or like even remember bits from the show mm -hmm. of her doing mm -hmm. this. And then uh, level 10, her monk feet is knockback strike. Again, the like karate chopping Kermit to send him flying across the screen. So with knockback strike, it's two actions to make an unarmed strike. And if you hit, you attempt an athletics check to shove the target. But the reason that this is beneficial to do as the two-action activity is that both of them are made at the same multiple attack penalty. Oh, yeah. And then your shove attempt does not count towards your multiple attack penalty. I had forgotten about the diva side of her character, mm -hmm. but that's really, like, the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, I would say that for Miss Piggy, like, I chose to make her as a monk with celebrity-free archetype. But the diva celebrity side of her is a larger component to her character than the karate sure. chop gag. But For sure. If she were going to be an adventurer, though, if she were going to be a Pathfinder adventurer, the karate chop gag is the majority of what she does in like a combat situation. And Miss Piggy is not typically in a combat situation. But if you were to put <laughs> Unless her- Unless she creates it. Exactly, exactly. But I think that even though it's kind of like just a- minor gag in her character in terms of how she would interact with the world as like an adventurer in the pathfinder setting i think that's the majority of how she would engage with like dealing with monsters or attack at people attacking her right oh for sure for sure you know how sometimes when folks like reimagine something as something else mm -hmm. like they kind of go a little bit wild with it but in a in a really cool way mm -hmm. like one of the di like one of like the disney princesses as like fantasy adventurers one mm -hmm. of them had like beast and her anim or like bell and her animal companion beast or something mm -hmm. that also be really cute to see like miss piggy and her eidolon oh. hermit <laughs> that also be i'm picturing that too that's really cute yeah so I don't remember if I said this at the top. I gave her the entertainer background. And As so you, then- yeah, that makes sense. So from entertainer, she gets like theater lore. And then as a level 10 character, I took her athletics and her performance to mastery. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I really feel like the hot-headed diva energy mm -hmm. from Miss Piggy. Yeah. And it's so easy to just, to just picture Kermit flying oh, away yeah. from oh, these yeah. abilities. Did you know there's also an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race where their celebrity guest for the episode is Miss Piggy? That's amazing. It was I, I did incredible. not know it, but I'm not surprised. She is the ultimate diva. All right, what character 
from the Muppets are you going to present to me? Well, now, so Jess, since you know the Muppets pretty well, you gave me a, a curated list of these are the ones that were suggested mm -hmm. from the Discord, and these are the ones that will work really well from that. Mm -hmm. And of this list, I apparently picked one that was merely mentioned, but not necessarily requested. Listeners, I am bringing today to you Sam the Eagle. Yes, as mentioned Sam. by patron Andrew Mullen. That's right. Sam, I picked Sam the Eagle because he reminds me of my husband in the best and worst ways possible. Sam is such an, a just a caricature of American idealism. Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my husband literally has a gun holster that is painted to look like the constitution and it's got the the no step on snake on it it's it's really it's really quite cartoonish and for, but you know i married the man so clearly something about that is appealing to me and that's why i picked sam because mm -hmm. he's funny sam sam was always like around trying to put in this really puritanical idea mm -hmm. of ethics and morals and family values, American values, American freedom. That was, that was his mission on the show. You know, he was around, he was their ethics coach, right? Whether they wanted him to be or not. <laughs> and so for that reason, I said, what, what class in Pathfinder is that stuffy and obnoxious? Well, it's the champion, yes. don't you know? So I also picked Poppet because <laughs> Sam the Eagle literally is a Muppet, which yeah. and is therefore a puppet. Yeah. So uh, I did pick Poppet. I gave him the background of a teacher of society Ooh. because he considers himself the, the one who is knowledgeable, the one who knows about how culture should be. So he's a teacher of society and a champion. I, I went a little out there with the heritage. I was like, I, I wasn't crazy about it. I almost took stuffed Poppet because for the Poppet ones, it's the one that fits... Mm -hmm. uh, the best, but really for Sam the Eagle, Aphrodite fits even better. Ooh. Having this connection with the plane of law, you know, it's part of his very soul. Is is making sure that the values that, that the ethics of society are maintained and uncorrupted. Ooh. So, so then I use that to take axiomatic lore mm -hmm. as the ancestry feat. That way, we automatically get access to diplomacy in society because these are very preachy things to be trained in. Yeah. For his class feat, we are taking Didi's domain to get more, get more reinforcement of the ideals that Sam the Eagle is about. And I decided to go, the, the, first, the choice of domain was pretty tough. Uh, there's some really good options here. None of them are specifically, this is the society domain. This is the culture domain. So I took duty oh. because Sam the Eagle does feel like it is his duty on the show. Not even to be, you know, one of the entertainers. That's not what he's there for. Mm -hmm. He's there to make sure everyone is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So that's his domain. He's the duty domain and he's the lawful good paladin because nobody is more stuck up and stuffy <laughs> a good paladin. Yeah. Jess, you will be proud and unsurprised to know that at level two, I'm not getting a class feat. I'm taking the dandy dedication. <gasps> because Sam the Eagle, that's what he does. He's a highfalutin sort. He's a high society eagle, you know? He, he moves around with any of the crowds that value the truth and justice of the American way. Interesting. So Sam the Eagle is a dandy. And then we're taking at level four, Tut Tut. Did Miss Piggy also get Tut Tut? No. Okay. I had to quickly change one of my other ones because it's like, man, this is the same build as Miss Piggy. Okay. I did take Tut Tut. What I like about Tut Tut is that you're about to hit a creature with a melee attack. And at the last minute, you don't hit them. Yeah. Instead, Instead of dealing damage, you just do an intimidation check against all of the enemies within 30 feet, and you get a plus two bonus to it. And if you would have critically succeeded, then that will make them frighten two instead of one. Yeah. What I picture is Sam the Eagle running up to like the cast or something, mm -hmm. and, 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 and 
he's gonna lay down the law, but instead of physically hurting them, you know, he gives them all a tut-tut. Don't you know that this is improper? Don't you know that this isn't the way we do things in America? Yeah, that is... That's how I pick. That is excellent. And then at level uh, five, we've got another ancestry feat. <laughs> this is really just for the pun. <laughs> but I'm giving him Spark of Independence. Oh, I see, I see. Because we value independence. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so listeners, what this really does is that you can you can walk up to a creature that has the minion trait and you can give them quickened for one round, right? And then they're, they can use that to extra step. They can get a stride. They can get a strike. It's really not that good, but it is, but it is funny because it, because you know, independence. Yeah. Okay. I kept feeling your oats, even though Miss Piggy got it, because this also made a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. You know, with this, like, you're living your own fantasy, and because of that, you kind of can substitute your ideals mm -hmm. for your will save. Mm -hmm, and I can mm -hmm. definitely picture him being so caught up in the puritanical notions that this society should be, yeah. that he kind of just misses the point of something that should scare him or, or, yeah. or should affect him otherwise. Yeah. At level eight, I'm just digging, digging deeper into these domain spells. I didn't want to do duty again since there wasn't specifically society or culture. I felt like I should probably grab, you know, maybe another domain so that together they kind of feel like society or culture. Right. And so we're taking the advanced family domain. Oh. Because family values, duty to your family, those are American values, you know. Also the and values of I the Fast and the Furious. That's right. That's right. The family domain has actually got a pretty interesting power. It's called Unity, and it has a range of 30 feet. Now, there's all of your allies, say, are, are getting targeted by a spell, right? That, that can trigger this Unity power, where you just let all of those allies use your saving throw if they wish Ooh. instead of their own. So, I, you know, if you picture Sam and he sees, like, the corruption from, you know from the, the bad parts of society he's trying to protect the show from. You can definitely mm -hmm. see him jumping in the middle of it and, and, and saying some silly thing about ideals to, to try and help everybody be uncorrupted by the ills that society is capable of. Yeah. At level nine, I'm using an ancestry feat for Weedle and Jig, mm -hmm. which was interesting. So this specifically says that you do weird motions and silly sounds and it captivates onlookers it lets you cast enthrall as a third level spell once per day i see this is sam getting on top of capitol hill stairs and and captivating an audience as he sings as he sings the bill of rights song you know schoolhouse oh. rock that's what this is this is the schoolhouse rock sam i don't know if there was actually a collab there but there could there could have been it's easy to picture and lastly at level 10 I just, I just, this one's not an exciting choice, but I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I took sense evil. Okay. But instead of evil, you know, we're doing, you know, sense corruption of, of the culture. Mm -hmm. That's what we're sensing, you know. Sam's like backstage and just, he, he just gets a whiff of like, somebody isn't maintaining family values, you know. And he runs out on stage and, you know, does a big speech. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look, it's been a while, but I really used to think Sam the Eagle was a, quite a silly character, and the fact that he reminds me of American silliness mm -hmm. is why I really wanted to take this one on. Yeah, Disney World has a restaurant, the Regal Eagle Smokehouse, that is themed after Sam the Eagle, that is located in Epcot at the America Pavilion. That's very cute. Yeah. I haven't been to Disney in so long. Yeah. I really like that you made Sam the Eagle an Aphorite, though. And there are a lot of reasons why I like this, but the number one reason for me why that is so cute is because Sam the Eagle was requested by our patron, Andrew Mullen. Andrew Mullen, in addition to being a patron of No Direction, is also a Paizo freelancer. And he was the Paizo freelancer who wrote the PF2 Aphorite. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. It, this is the, how many, this is like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, yeah, but for yeah. Pathfinder. <laughs> That's cute. Well, there you go. 
I just thought it makes sense, you know, like he exudes such, we must do this by the book energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. So what do you think, Jess? Is that a pretty good Sam? Yeah, You I probably like it. remember him better than I do. I like it a lot. Okay, well, let's see what you got next. Yes. Now that we're in, now that we're on our second picks, that means we're getting into the wilder picks. That's what <laughs> we do. We put our presentable picks at the front. We put our wild ones at the back. My second Muppet build was requested by listener Severin Laureate, and I built the Great Gonzo. Ooh. Did you find a way to work Geniekin into this? I did not make Gonzo a Geniekin, but... Jess, you have a one Geniekin per episode guarantee. I can't... I don't think I did that in X-Men. Did you not have any... Listen, did you not what? have any... One plane touched per episode, okay? It doesn't have to be a genie kin. I have a plane touch. I had a plane touch. I have a plane touched right here because okay. I made Gonzo a poppet Gonzi. Oh, I see that. I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember what I remember about Gonzo is he was like always acting like this magician, you know? Acting like a little like a little puppet Copperfield. The great Gonzo is a performer. But they are an artist, moreover, than they are a magician, I would say. Okay. So Gonzo had skits on The Muppet Show where they would perform various acts. Some of them were like musical acts. Some of them were like daredevil acts. But the uh, the through line between all of them was that Gonzo was an artist creating high art that the audience didn't understand or appreciate. And so Gonzo <laughs> would be like booed off the stage. <laughs> That's so cute. I wish I remembered that better because that sounds so cute. I gave Gonzo the tall tail background, which is a rare background from Guns and Gears. Uh, and this background, uh, the idea of it is that you have a reputation for like having allegedly performed just absolutely wild feats, like riding a tornado, lassoing a river, uh, shooting six zombies with one bullet, and your outrageous reputation precedes you, and that's what people know you by. I can see that, yeah. And so Gonzo, uh, Poppet, Gonzi, Telltale Background, for Ancestry Feet, because Gonzo is such... An artiste, I gave them the creative prodigy Gonzi ancestry feat, which represents Gonzo's powerful creative drive and yearning to create art. That checks. But are you doing? Are we doing bard? I think you're. Le- I think you're taking us down a bard path. You think I'm making what- Gonzo a bard? I'm. I'm getting. I'm. I'm picking that up. If that's not what you're putting down, then I'm shopping at the wrong store. <laughs> no, I made Gonzo a swashbuckler. Ooh. And I okay. had a very difficult time choosing like the swashbuckler style for Gonzo because Gonzo is an artist. And so at first I thought I wanted Gonzo to use performance. And so I thought I would yeah. give Gonzo Battle Dancer, but then just reflavor it as doing other types of performance, right? But I don't know that Gonzo's fighting style necessarily is going to involve like trying to fascinate people. I'm looking at the styles Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. because I want to try and guess. Yeah. Wit. Yes, I did ultimately choose wit. (laughs) And so wit is the diplomacy style that gives you bon mot. And so you gain panache when you use bon mot. It's for charlatans. I really liked Braggart, but I didn't like the idea of Gonzo using Intimidate. I did like the yeah. idea of Gonzo uh, making boasts about what they would do, but I didn't like the idea of those boasts involving demoralizing people. Hmm. hmm. And so Gonzo doesn't—he he doesn't have a a heart of malice, you know? No, absolutely not. Uh, Gonzo is very like sweet soft-spoken um I, I would say even kind of like nervous muppet who like just wants to impress people with their art and be a great artist creating great art that people appreciate he's just uh he's just a sweet little guy yeah just a sweet little guy i did give gonzo goading faint though as a first level swashbuckler feat 
And so that I can, I can see that. Yeah, see yeah. That. So that changes up the uh, the success and critical success that Gonzo can get when they successfully faint someone. For second level, I gave Gonzo uh, Charmed Life, where when they attempt a saving throw, they can get a plus two bonus on it because Gonzo, uh, you know, pulls it out of a, a lot of dangerous situations, right? And inexplicably sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what that is. Uh, we got some skill feats. We got quick jump. We got catfall. We got rolling landing. At fourth level, I did not give Gonzo free archetype, but I did take the archetype dedication feat for the firebrand braggart. Nice. And so that's nice. the one where Gonzo. This this brings it back to me wanting to make Gonzo like doing boasts in combat. And so mm -hmm. in this way, with the firebrand braggart, Gonzo can make a boast about something that they are going to do. So some kind of great act that they're they're going to perform and then they attempt the check to perform it and they can gain you know the, the benefits or whatever when they successfully do the thing that they say that they're going to do watch as the great gonzo yeah i can exactly see exactly at level six we are taking daring act this is also a firebrand braggart feat this is you attempt a death-defying maneuver to distract your enemies, select one foe within reach, and attempt either an acrobatics or athletics check against the target's reflex DC. If you succeed, you can stride up to half your speed without triggering reactions, and the target is flat-footed against the next melee attack you attempt before the end of your turn. Okay. And then uh, finishing off Gonzo's... Uh, swashbuckler feats with precise finisher and then at 10th level daring do which is uh when you have panache you can roll twice and use the higher results on any check where you would get a circumstance bonus for having panache perfect for any for any swashbuckler that wants to be a little bit outrageous yeah and then for gonzo's ancestry feats uh like i said at first level we did the uh Gonzi Creative Prodigy. At fifth level, we have the Poppet Ancestry Feet Sealed Poppet, where you have reinforced your interior parts with sealant or other flame retardant materials protecting you from fire. You no longer have weakness to fire from your Poppet Flammable Ancestry ability. I imagine he jumped through a few flaming hoops. Yes, That's probably absolutely. pretty useful. And then at ninth level from Gonzi, we have Glory and Valor. And this is normally for Gonzi who are descended from Einheria. So you spend one action to call upon your ascendant blood with a mighty cry. And this, uh, for one minute into, or until you critically fail a strike, whichever comes first, uh, the first time each round that you successfully strike a creature of your level or higher, you regain hit points equal to half your level. So I thought that also worked out for a swashbuckler going around and bragging about the uh, incredible feats that uh, they're going to pull off and the incredible pieces of art that they're going to create. Especially for one who's like used to falling on their face and mm -hmm. then getting back up mm -hmm. and saving face, yeah, you know? Yeah. that That's that. That fits. Yeah. And so then for Gonzo's skills, I did acrobatics and diplomacy to master. But that's really just a function of like the swashbuckler kind of needs their their skills that they use to gain mm -hmm. panache to be high. Mm -hmm. If I had done free archetype, I probably would have also gone uh, dandy or maybe acrobat. Acrobat's good. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see acrobat. Yeah. Dandy. It's hard to say dandy doesn't fit for really most of the Muppets, you mm -hmm. know, just being either dandy or celebrity right. is good for most of them. Mm -hmm. That's a good gonzo. I'm trying to think of any other what vigilante wouldn't work because people know it's gonzo right. when they see the great gonzo. So that yeah. wouldn't work. I'm trying to think of other other free archetypes. I'm surprised I didn't use free archetypes in this episode. I'm normally such a big such a big fan of it. Mm -hmm. Uh but I didn't need it this time. Yeah, I just thought Miss Piggy like really needed to execute on both her monk feats and her celebrity feats. Like she really needed both oh, sets. For... Some characters need it. Yeah. Some characters need it. Which is why I like it. Which is why I prefer it for games. I, I think that you can build. I think that you can use it 
to build more complex characters or yeah. more interesting characters, more dynamic characters. That's what I like for it. Speaking is you can make of, a character more dynamic. Speaking of more dynamic characters, who is your final Muppet? Well, I'll tell you what they're not, Jess. They're not a figment of anyone's imagination. Mm -hmm. And they're not an elephant, mm -hmm. but they are from the Sesame Street canon because this is my favorite of all the Jim Henson friendly puppet things. Oh. I, I can't say my favorite of all the Jim Henson things because that includes, you know, like we said, like Star Wars and like other mm -hmm. crazy special effects. But of all the things that had like somebody's hand inside of a inside of a doll, this is Mr. Aloysius. Snuffleupagus, aka Snuffy. This character is I took a lot of notes as I was as I was doing my research and in, in re-remembering re the Snuffleupagus, Mr. Snuffleupagus. I have to say that. Because mm -hmm. Mr. Snuffleupagus is from a species called the Snuffleupaguses, or perhaps Snuffleupagai. And it's little known fact that the one we see in the show. This is Aloysius Snuffleupagus, but they all call him Snuffy or Mr. Snuffleupagus. Man, this is another tongue twister episode. Why do we do this to ourselves? You did this so, to yourself. You chose Snuffleupagus. I did, but I kind of feel like I'm nailing it so far. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, <laughs> so there's surprisingly a lot to this character. Yeah. One of the things that he's most known for is for a lot of dancing, actually. He did oh. the Snuffle Shuffle. He did tap dancing with the Heinz brothers. There's a few other dances that like he was really well known for. This is the thing that he does. Yeah. So you and say he also sings. So you say Snuffleupagus was one of your favorites. Was Snuffleupagus also the favorite of one of our listeners? I think it was. I think it was. This Snuffleupagus was suggested by Jason, listener Jason, at What Do You Do Pods. Friend of the network, friend of mine. I really wish we could, we could get Super Smash Finder back up and running <laughs> again. But it was just, it was just so, it was just so time consuming for them. But it was fantastic. Yeah. So he suggested Mr. Snuffleupagus, and I am delivering. Let me pull up my notes. Mr. Snuffleupagus was also a really big fan of cabbage, spaghetti, as famous for the meatball song, and sassafras tree. But apparently the whole species was really enjoyed their greens, especially anything that was mossy or moss-flavored. Oh. Snuffy was also a really big fan of the opera. He's even been to the Metropolitan Opera House in New York City to watch the rehearsals. And he did, and he did a small opera he performed it with judy collins for a bit oh but one of but the running bit with the snuffleupagus is that when he was introduced for 12 full years everyone thought he was just an imaginary friend of big bird because nobody ever saw like none of the humans ever actually got to see the snuffleupagus and then when big bird would try to introduce them something come up in the moment the human rounds the corner mr snuffleupagus isn't there big bird are you making this up no i swear i'm big bird i don't make stuff up that's what big bird sounds like trust me on yeah it. so and it was it, it was 12 years before like the adults finally got to see him and this was after oscar the grouch saw him for the first time 12 years later mm -hmm. and then let him join the grouch keepers Oh. A little bit before then, too, the kids could start seeing him, and they thought it was funny that the adults thought he wasn't real, but he is real. And it, it's, it, it needs to be known he's not an elephant. Mm -hmm. That is not a trunk that he has. That is the snuffle. And he did uh, like to do exercises to keep his snuffle in shape and to help the kids do exercises and stay in shape as well, which is why I made sure that he is trained in athletics. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's and there's also oh I forgot to use this note. He also can get really angry. The snuffleuffa guy. They can get angry and they can do like these earth shattering like pounds and it like shakes the whole set and stuff. Well I picked Bard for Snuffleupagus. Okay. Because from the from his love of the opera and performing opera and all of the dancing that he's known for, I thought that a dance bard made the most sense. Right, yeah. I wasn't really sure which background to take. There's a lot that fit for this. 
but I decided to go with a campaign background, song singer in training, oh. the same kind that you might hear if you're playing, uh, that you might have seen if you're playing Quest for the Frozen Frame. This is one of them from Quest for the Frozen Flame. I don't think we took it though, if you listen to our Quest for the Frozen Flame podcast. But the reason I liked this is because it's also a canon fact that Mr. Snuffleupagus, in fact, all of the Snuffleupagus species are native to Hawaii. And I just feel like some of these songs might be native Hawaiian songs for the culture of the Snuffleupagus. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea that the song singer in training is just someone who is learning and sharing the songs, or in this case, the dances of their people. I thought it was very fitting. Right. Now, I didn't I didn't go with Poppet mm -hmm. as the ancestry here. Okay. I wanted to. Poppets are small and you know, with with tomfoolery you might be able to make a medium or large. I picked Venara. Now listen, hear me out. Ven Venara, these are these are the monkey people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And the main reason I picked this, and this this is where we had our disclaimer about reflavoring things. Okay. Is because they start with the prehensile tail. They can use their long tail to perform actions that require freehand but you know they can't really do like intricate things with it and this is perfect a perfect facsimile for the snuffle that snuffleupagus has because there was an episode he was known to be able to use it to manipulate things but he wasn't known to be able to use it to manipulate intricately as seen in the episode where he tried to learn American Sign Language and learned that he couldn't do it with the snuffle. You oh. can't do intricate things with the snuffle. Yeah. So if you take like, so I'm just using the mechanics of mm -hmm. Venara here. Clearly he's not a monkey, but right. he does have the snuffle and their prehensile tail fits that. Right. And to make it fit more of, of this idea of like, he's not an elephant, but he does look like one. Like, you know, he's, he's a quadruped. Mm -hmm. I'm using the beast kin heritage okay just so that i can and the type of animal i'm going to choose is the elephant right now right. if you are a beastkin and you pick say wolf that doesn't mean you are a wolf that means you have you know you have features of a wolf right you're wolf adjacent yeah well you know the snuffleupagus let's not let's not split hairs here i mean they are elephant adjacent so elephant beastkin and then this also gives them access to like they've got the shape that is like, you know, the classic Snuffleupagus shape. Right. We can just pretend like the chain shape just doesn't exist. They're just always in that form. This also gives him animal senses, though, too, which I assume he'd prob he probably had scent in precise 30 feet. You know, he he's got that big snuffle. Right. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember a lot of specifics about what he did other than those actions. So, so it's kind of, I had a hard time picking feats. I took directed audience because he did, you know, project his his performances to people. So I feel like that that's a safe bet is projected on direct audience. Yeah. Level four, we're taking a rare bard class feat. Rogues can take it too. It's masquerade of the season stance. Oh. It's literally a stance that is a dance that channels the different powers of the seasons. For the Snuffleupagus, this can be different dances, you know? This can be channeling the power of meatballs or channeling the power of, you know, working out or something. Interesting. But the fact is, you know, it's a, it's a dance dance. Yeah. The Ancestry Feet at level 5, again, I'm playing it kind of safe. I'm taking Animalistic Resistance for him, which just gives you plus 2 to resist diseases and poisons. I feel like being that large, you can, you know, it's a little... You can resist what a dose for any other creature would be. So that, that fits, I guess. Level six, I'm going with Song of Marching. It's just a composition cantrip that lets you and your allies cross like vast distances. You can move a bit. I don't have great justification for this other than if you're going to go teach a bunch of kids how to exercise and you want to take and, you know, and you go on a jog, that'd be a good way to do it. Level eight, my class feat is accompany, so that you can use your performance to aid others in their magical spells. You know, he comes out to help somebody else who's doing a song or doing a dance. I feel like that would be quite fitting. I did not take grand dance, which I could have, because suddenly you can like fly around and stuff. 
with your dance. I just didn't think that felt that felt good. At level nine, we're finally getting something good from the Venaras again. Legendary size. This oh. lets you be cast in large or shrink on yourself each once per day as a second level spell. But let's just let's just you know, let's just ask the GM. GM, I'm playing the Snuffleupagus. Can I take legendary size and just always be enlarged? And never be able to catch shrink. Right. And large isn't that good. I feel like it's. I don't think that's too broken, you know. Right. But it lets you get to. It lets you get to large size, which clearly the snuffleupagus is. Mm-hmm. And lastly, at level ten, I'm taking the class feat unusual composition, mainly because this lets you translate like verbal components of a performance. Pretty much, you're different. It lets you make one type of performance into another so he can do the inspire courage with it just being a dance and it's represented in the rules because he doesn't even have to sing i mean he can he probably likes to he'd like to sing but i i i was surprised though that i didn't really have a lot to work with here Mm -hmm. despite the breadth of different things that he does but i do think that from his things i've got them represented yeah Somewhat. Yeah, I I buy into this as a Pathfinder Snuffleupagus. Yeah, and with Bard spells, you can make a lot of the other things happen. Like, mm-hmm. you can do illusion stuff to, to be <laughs> somewhat imaginary. We can add spells that shake the ground or, you know, some facsimile of that as yeah. well. Like, it's, I think you can definitely represent all of the things that the Snuffleupagus was, that Mr. Snuffleupagus, excuse me, was doing on the show. Yeah. Snuffleupagus is also our only Muppet spellcaster that we've got here. Well, I guess technically that is true then. Yeah, that is true. As long as we, as long as we kind of like re-flavor the spells. But I think that's probably going to be a lot of, a lot of our build episodes. Yeah. So when we announced that we were going to be doing a Muppet build episode, we also asked the listeners in our Discord if there was an adventure path that they would want to see like a Muppet production of in the same vein as like Muppet Treasure Island. So where the cast of the uh, of the adventure path are all Muppets, like Muppets playing all the different characters. And then we also asked if anyone had ideas for which Muppets they would cast as the different NPCs from Galarian. Our patron Dom said that he would want to see Agents of Edgewatch with Muppets. So it would be like Police Academy, but with Muppets. All of these suggestions that we got are really good, but I'm sorry, I'm playing favorites. That's my favorite one. The fact that you just... Saying it would be like Police Academy, but with Muppets, that's perfect. You know, that's what they do is they take something and they make it funny. Mm -hmm. Listener Jason said, definitely against the Ion Throne. I just want to see Gonzo and Sam the Eagle and Bunsen and Beaker go nuts on some space fascists. Did they have a Muppets in space movie? Was that a thing? I believe so. Yeah, I can because I can weirdly see this. Mm -hmm. You know, I can see them in like their little space suits and their little Muppet guns, and yeah. I can, that'd be really cute. Yeah, I think this would be a, another like really funny one. Uh, listener Mirror said, I'm going to say Muppets Return of the Room Lords for the twist of building up the Sahedron heroes as these epic adventures, only for it to be Gonzo, Rizzo, Kermit, and Fozzie. Mirror also Why said, "Why did you have to put Rizzo in there? That little so creature. Funny. I would have. I should have picked Rizzo. That would have been so funny. Rizzo would be a rat folk. Definitely yeah. all day. Yeah, all day. Yeah. Uh, Mirror also said that they would cast Miss Piggy as Sorshan in Return of the Room oh. Lords. That's good. Yeah, that is. Good. I like that a lot. That is good. Now, Jess, as you know, I've been absolutely hooked on Baldur's Gate three, mm-hmm. and." One of my favorite characters and one of my best friend's favorite characters, one of the community's favorite characters, is Astarian, mm-hmm. the vampire. Right. You know? And I was telling Madison, I was saying, yeah, I mean, I like Astarian, but he's not my favorite vampire. And, and she asked me, you know, who is your favorite vampire? I said, well, well, the Muppet from Sesame Street. And she said, Madison got mad. She was like, he doesn't count. And I said, I assure you, 
he does. Oh. Because that's all we have for you today. Make sure to check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network. If you like this show or any of our other blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon.com at Patreon.com slash No Direction. Because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible. Yeah, and remember that there are uh, many ways that these characters could be built, and there's also many other Muppets who could be built. So if you want to go ahead and drop into our Discord and let us know how we did, how you would build the Muppets, what Muppets you want to build, and share your Muppet builds with us, get right in there and share them with us. Until next time. How would you build how would you build Rizzo? Yeah, tell Go us tell me. Tell us how you would build Rizzo. Until next time, I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore, and as always, we have successfully recited some lore. Mm-hmm.